Siri. Play Culture and Combos, Episode 2. Only good vibes and conversation. High vibration, I got pride in my veins. It is gonna hit it. No, they cannot duplicate it. All the power that it brings. Authentic, the truth, and power, the youth perception, perspective, wretched to riches. Life is a blessing, always respect it. Talking multicultural knowledge, we are the edge, reaching new heights. So precision is the vision. Everything we do, we do it precise. Form, form, form. Culture. Culture. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Culture and Convos, the podcast. I'm your producer, Nadia Felder. I know we've been gone for a while, but we're back by popular demand. And we're excited for this episode because we actually recorded this live on Facebook for the first time as an agency. But before we begin, let me address that over the last few weeks, our country has been focused on fighting this 400-year-old pandemic that's been plaguing America and Black citizens. And that's racism. Of course, we're a multicultural marketing firm, so our attention is always there. But we cannot forget that we're still in the middle of a major health pandemic, and that's COVID-19. Or as our folks like to call it, Coronavirus! So for our first show back, we want to talk about the coronavirus and the impact it's had on Black people mentally. So we brought in a friend, Precise's unofficial therapist, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a clinical psychologist and host of the very popular podcast, Therapy for Black Girls, which I'm pretty sure you can find everywhere. Next, we'll talk about how this unexpected, unprecedented virus has impacted how Black people shop and any psychological reasons behind these behaviors, which our friend Cheryl Grace will address. Cheryl, aka the Data Diva, is the SVP of U.S. Strategic Community Alliances and Consumer Engagement at Nielsen. So let's dive right in. Here is Black Coins and COVID. And I want to thank our guests, Dr. Joy, Cheryl Grace, who we have tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for both of you. Cheryl is actually a former client. Um, She works with Nielsen. As Nadia said, she created the Diverse Intelligence Series reports that really talks about African-Americans' consumer behavior when it comes to purchasing patterns, media consumption behaviors, um, how we continue to excel in education and income, and every brand looks to Nielsen in this DIS report for critical information on how they should function. And the thing that I love most about Nielsen, and when we pitched Nielsen, it was so it's such an exciting opportunity because I was able to like rattle off stuff because I've been saying this information for so long. But Cheryl has been such a great proponent of talking about how multicultural consumers are the super consumers. We drive growth, we drive profit, we drive sales. So she's going to bring those insights to us. And then one of our newest friends that we just made her a sister, as soon as she walked in the office, we all want to start telling her our problems, <laughs> Dr. Bradford. And her show is so amazing and has filled a void 
that we need in the African-American community because, you know, mental um, health and mental wellness is not a topic we talk about in our culture. Going to therapy is like kind of taboo because, you know, all grandma and mama say, just go to church, go to church, just pray to the Lord. And we believe in that. But I always say, hey, mom, the God put, God put doctors on this earth to help us. So excited to have Dr. Joy. So before we get into that, um, I do want to just add on to what Nadia said. Um, Culture and Convos is a podcast we kicked off last year. And um, we got so busy working and representing our clients, we haven't really gotten back to it. And it's been something that people have been asking us to do. And while we have so much stuff going on in our community right now, we feel that our voice and the voice of our colleagues like Dr. Bradford, like Cheryl, are more important than ever. So not only did we want to do a podcast, but we wanted to bring it to life on Facebook Live. So I appreciate you, Dr. Joy. I appreciate you, Cheryl, who's on vacation, giving <laughs> her time. And as Nadia mentioned, you know, I want to acknowledge and celebrate all the people that have been out there protesting. Um, I think we're on the verge or in the middle of a new civil rights movement like we've never seen before. And so we're actually going to talk about that next week. So don't think we're going to skip it. But we, while this is going on, and I've said to my team, while uh, the young people have been out protesting and the older people are like, what am I going to do from home? Um, we can't forget that we're in the middle of a health pandemic and it's COVID-19. And you know, as African-Americans, we are dying from this at disproportionate rates. Um, compared to any other race. And that's not unlike any other disease out here. We're always dying way more than everyone else. Um, and so when the virus came about, we had a lot of clients asking us, what should we do? They didn't know if they should stand still or should they move forward? And some paused for a while, which I think is important because we all needed to pause and take a minute, which Dr. Joy would be able to talk about. Um, but some realized that they had an opportunity to provide a solution at this time. And that's really what I encouraged them. And to be honest with you, I was a little disappointed by the companies that did not leverage their products and services to make a huge difference. Um, but I've been in this multicultural marketing space for more than 20 years <laughs> and it's always a challenge. And Cheryl, that's why I love your numbers because I have evidence. I always say <laughs> out to African-Americans and Hispanics is not because it's the good thing to do. It makes good business sense people it just does so you know in having those conversations I said to the team we should talk about that online and we think the best people are Dr. Joy so she can talk about the mental impact that this has had on us because this is an unprecedented time it's an unprecedented virus we have no idea what the next six months are going to look like so she's going to talk to us a little bit about that and then going from there we're going to segue and to Cheryl to talk about how this impacts um, consumer behavior and what do we think will happen afterwards? Because all of this is new and there's so many lessons learned. And I know Cheryl's been observing behavior through media coverage. I know that I have. So we think this is gonna be a really interesting conversation. So again, Dr. Joy and Cheryl, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. <laughs> Okay, so let's get started 
with the first question. So Dr. Joy, as I mentioned, you know, this virus hit us about three months ago. Um, Governor Cuomo today said it's 100 days in New York. Um, and so we've had to self-isolate for about 300 days, which has been interesting. And now the country is opening up. We're getting a little bit of a new normal. Can you tell us what have you been hearing, you know, from clients on your podcast? How are people feeling psychologically and emotionally? And do you really think, is there a difference between how Black people are feeling versus anyone else? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. So I think generally there is still a very high level of anxiety, <clears throat> um, you know, because there have been so many unanswered questions, right? So we went from, okay, nobody wear a mask to just the health professionals wear masks to everybody wear a mask now, right? And so I think when you have unanswered questions and people don't necessarily know where to get that information, then it raises the level of anxiety. Um, I do think that the mental health toll has been different for the Black community just because the losses have been so much greater in our community. And I think that also extends to the idea that the ways that we typically grieve, right? So coming together for a funeral, coming together for the repast, like all of that has really been upended. And so the ways that we usually are able to gather to support one another through major losses, we haven't been able to do in the same ways. Okay. I think that there has been a significant amount of anxiety, a significant amount of grief. And I think even as things are opening, people are still really anxious about what that means, right? So some people are really eager to kind of get back out. And then other people are being a little more cautious, like, oh, I don't quite know. Um, so I think the prevailing mental health kind of sentiment has really just been a lot of anxiety. Mm. And can I just say that I'm of the school of I'm going to stay in <laughs> until... Everybody else who's out there, like, you know how they used to send the canaries down into the coal mines to kind of test out whether or not the air was pure? I'm going to use everybody else as a canary. And if they come back and they're all fine in about four weeks, then I'll take that as a good sign. But I have found as you're talking about how we're handling this, I'm usually, you know, a risk taker. I'm not taking any risk with this thing. No, not. not now. Um, it's an Amanda Nadia in our team. They went out, they protested. Amanda, who's lurking around, we had to have a couple conversations with her in the beginning. Like, you need to stay home. Stay <laughs> home. And we're in the office right now for this podcast, but we're slowly easing back into it too. Because Cheryl, after these protests and these numbers going up, I'm like, I got to look at these numbers first. And that's what I'm saying. I need to wait. Yes, health as well. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Joy, how do you believe these feelings have affected how we're buying, particularly in the African-American community? Because I read an article, and this is really across mainstream, and um, the woman said consumers are buying for three main reasons. To protect, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. All that Lysol, still can't find Lysol wipes. Right. <laughs> to entertain. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. And to connect. I think mm-hmm. we're all Zoom called out. Yes. <laughs> so would yes. you kind of agree with that theory? Like, what have you observed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people have had to be really creative, especially in the connection piece, because we aren't able to gather and, you know, get together with one another. So you see people adding new services, like maybe a professional Zoom account 
or people who maybe didn't have Netflix and Hulu, they've now added those things to their packages. And so really entertaining and connecting with one another is really important. And in the beginning, you know, you saw everybody like run out to get all the toilet tissue and all the wipes and all those things, right? And so I think, you know, what I have heard though is that people are really shocked by the amount of money they're saving because you're not going out to maybe all the bars on the weekends, right? Or you're not necessarily spending $100 to take your family afford to the movies. So people are also uh, saving a significant amount of money, at least in the communities that I'm in. That's what I've heard most of. That's interesting. And another thing, Dr. Joyce, so with this hoarding thing, Mm. because I have family members I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> family members who, when they go grocery shopping, uh-huh. they have to buy like 10 boxes of cereal, mm. 20 boxes of like paper towels and stuff. And mm. what I heard them say is because they grew up poor, mm. they never wanted to be with yeah. that. And mm-hmm. so I've been wondering, did that, do you think that could have been elevated through this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, anytime we don't have answers for something, we are relying on our previous experiences with an experience to inform this new experience. And Mm -hmm. so nobody has a guidebook for what to do in a pandemic, right? But we do know what we did when we were poor and maybe we got a little bit of money. And so then we wanted to have a whole, you know, stash of cereal so that we never had to go without. Or what do you do when you have a hurricane, you buy a bunch of supplies and stuff like that. So we were all just trying to fill in the blanks. Uh, But definitely some of those old things that people have struggled with have been activated by all of this uncertainty and anxiety we've experienced. Uh, Triggers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Cheryl, again, our data diva. Um, Before we talk about what um, purchasing patterns and things are, you know, have happened or the trends or the changes as a result of the coronavirus, can you just start talking about what makes Black buying behavior different than the mainstream and what unique cultural factors influence how we buy. Um, Because as I mentioned, and you know, I love to tell this story, I call myself a multicultural marketing evangelist. And I try (laughs) to get companies to understand that the way you communicate to us is not cookie cutter and you can't speak to us like you might speak to a 40-year-old, you know, white man or a 30-year-old single white mother. It's, it's just different. We, we are motivated in a different manner. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I'll start with our um, buying power as African-Americans. So we have $1.3 trillion of buying power. That's annually. And our purchasing power actually grows at a faster rate than non-Hispanic white purchasing power. So I think ours was at about 104% and um, non-Hispanic white purchasing power grew at a rate of 87%. So we're spending more generally uh, than other groups already. And we also tended in the past to make more trips to grocery stores than any other group of people, but we purchased fewer items while we were there. Some of that could be because there were or are, now it's worse, food deserts, right? And so when you went grocery shopping, if you lived in an urban area, what you found is that, you know, how you got all of those items home, if you had to take public transportation, you couldn't carry as much as you could if you had a car because you were driving out of your zip code to get your purchases, 
So what we've seen is, is that during the original phase of COVID, there were a lot of delivery services that we tapped into, whether it was restaurants delivering or whether it was um, grocery items, but not all delivery services go to our zip codes. So we were still forced to use public transportation. And then at least in Chicago, they shut some of that down, right? Um, Or you didn't want to be at risk for getting on public transportation and risking getting uh, the virus. And so a lot of that impacted how we shop, when we shop. The other, I think, interesting component that impacted us is we tend to live with multi-generations in a household under one roof. And so I know for our household, when we originally quarantined, it was me, it was my son, it was his girlfriend and her cat. Um, And I'm not a cat person, (laughs) uh, but that's a whole nother story. And, And my husband... And, um, and then one of my, my son's friends as well. And so the young people had brands that they were used to, you know, because they'd just gotten out of college and they had these brands. And so when they bought in some of their groceries, I'm like, I've never tried this brand before. I don't know about this. Right. But guess what? The shelves were empty. And so when you have nothing left but the brands that you're not accustomed to, you're going to use those brands. And so I tried some new brands and I like them. And I think, you know, my husband and I were commenting the other day, like, do you know, we have new things in our refrigerator that we never had in there before. So that is also representative of um, how we may be shopping differently going forward as a result of COVID. Mm. So with that said, Dr. um, Dr. Cheryl, might as well call you Dr. Cheryl. You can call me Dr. Dr. Data. The doctor of the day. (laughs) So do you think after this virus is open that people might leave brands that they've been loyal to? Or do you think they'll go back because this is available? It depends because, and you know, and I'm going to let the doctor talk about the psychological aspect of it. But like if I'm having a positive experience with a particular brand during a non-positive pandemic, then I may be more inclined to stick with that brand because of the times that it represents. And so this particular yogurt that we're using now, I, I'm probably going to stick with that yogurt because it, it, it has fond memories for me, <laughs> uh, the people in my house eating that yogurt when we were trying to get through this difficult time. So um, I think it may depend on the psychology of, of, of the purchasers. And again, I'll leave that to the doctor. But I will absolutely say with that pandemic, and I know we're not talking about the other pandemic, but Blacks are paying attention to which brands are stepping up to the table with this current you know, racism pandemic. And that's going to be incredibly telling. Um, those that did not did not use the opportunity to capitalize on it, but really were very sincere in their marketing and PR efforts because Black people pay attention to that. I got a follow-up question with that, but you know I love when you say that. And Dr. Joy, I'm actually going to come back to what Cheryl just mentioned. I want to talk a little bit about buying for comfort. Um, but I'm with you. I've definitely tried new brands just because I can't find the ones that I love. And, you know, the biggest thing is I'm a toilet paper snob. 
Like people are like, why do you care? It's toilet paper. No, I like Charmin in the red package, the ultra strong Charmin. <laughs> and not find it. So I started using cotton now and I'm like, oh, not that bad. I'm not like, bad. A little cheaper. Like cotton now might have a new customer, even though I love those red bears when they dance, but you know. And I hate those bears. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Okay, so Cheryl, um, just to build on that, what trends or changes have you noticed, um, just kind of like based on your observation um, and whatever research you know, have you noticed any real changes in the purchasing patterns over the last three months and any real differences between Black consumers versus the general market? Well, what we've noticed and and, um, I have some information on is our consumption habits and behaviors when it comes to media and entertainment. Because as you all know, African-Americans watch way more television than any other group of people anyway. And we upped that by 20% during COVID, if you can believe it. So we were at 54, 57 hours a week of television. Since COVID came along, we increased that by another 20%. And so while you also had um, other cultures and non-Hispanic white increasing their viewing habits as well, we still were trending. Um, What you also saw was 104% increase versus a 93% increase over internet connections, right? So when COVID hit, we were forced to homeschool. Um, Many households were not prepared for that. Um, depending on where my friends were when they were talking about that conversation, my grandnephew, their school gave each of them a computer to bring home. Whereas there were other young people in African-American communities who couldn't do their homeschooling because they didn't have the bandwidth. And so um, you have seen that increase in internet connection devices where people are actually watching television because some households made the purchase and and added on to the service. Others just started using their existing tablets in their phones more. Mm -hmm. And so we saw a a large increase on that. Interesting. Interesting. Well, one of the things that I read that I thought was very interesting and preparing for this, and then, you know, I'm a marketing junkie so I read everything but I've read that planting seeds particularly like for herbs and flowers and baby chickens have been hot items so I've just been wondering how many black people <laughs> are out there planting gardens which I, I personally know a few who've done that are planting gardens but then I'm like who's out here trying to raise some chickens to get- the ones from Mississippi cuz my husband will tell you in a minute when he was a little boy he would wring a chicken's neck and you know cuz that's what his grandparents made him do oh, and my mom used to tell me about how they used to go out and chop the chicken's head off and the chicken would still run around the yard so maybe some of those folks <laughs> <laughs> The ne- next DIS report, we need to ask these very specific questions. I would love, <laughs> love to know that. And so back to you, Dr. Joy. One of the um, other things, too, that I recognize is they were saying, um, you know, consumers admit that they've been, and it's funny because you said something about saving money, sure, but I read an article about people admit to the fact that they're stress spending, that they're overspending, and one thing that has been consistent over the last three months is that alcohol sales have really been up. Mm-hmm. 
that makes sense. I don't see anybody I know that has been doing that, but you know, <laughs> alcohol, alcohol sales have been up. But do you think this this stress spending and being on Amazon and having boxes come to the house all the time is is a way of people seeking comfort and a way to make themselves feel better? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I will only speak for myself, but when I feel stressed, it is not uncommon for me to like just be browsing through TJ Maxx and Marshalls, right? And so you were not able to do any of that. And so really the only things we could do were to browse on Amazon or browse through Target or, you know, those kinds of things virtually. Um, So I think that it is very likely that people are using that to stress bin. Uh, or to kind of manage their stress. And if you are connected online, like on the social media platforms, you see people sharing like all these cool new gadgets that they've tried. And so then it makes it more likely that you're like, oh, okay, this person that I like tried this thing, I might also like it. And then they give it a try as well. Right. One of the things that I've noticed, uh oh, go ahead, Cheryl. Teacher, teacher. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Look. I had to take to my bed when they announced that Neiman and Marcus was declaring bankruptcy. I mean, no, no joke. Take to my bed. Take literally to my bed. And, and doctor, you will be happy. My husband said, should we call somebody? Because this is not a normal reaction. Um, <laughs> but for me, psychologically, when that announcement came out and it came out like maybe the third or fourth week into the, um, the pandemic, for me, it was the sign that I needed that life was not going to be as we knew it. I always in the back of my head thought, yeah, we'll come here. We'll stay in. We'll be safe. We'll come out maybe a few pounds lighter, that ain't happening, but maybe a few pounds lighter. And when Neiman's closed their doors, it was my wake up call that the world has changed forever. So I think everyone had their own individual triggers. That was mine. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. And Listen, Dr. Joy, I'm with you on um, the TJ Maxx. And listen, I'm a Neiman's fan and a sex fan. <laughs> so, you know, I'm definitely a Maxinista, but I do like my Lux items as well. But, you know, we know from the studies that that's how we do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the TJ Maxx, that, that has been the hardest for me, not being able to go to TJ Maxx. Me too. Home yeah. goods. You go to Home goods. Yeah. And home goods, like, oh, I'm, I'm literally had withdrawals, but I, I, I worked through it. I worked through it. I did not work through it. I actually <laughs> lost a bit of control. If I, if I turn my camera that way, you will see boxes that have piled up this high from my just online shopping because I can't go to home goods. And that's something I just like to peruse and, and just, but I like the boxes are here. And my, my husband told me the other day, cause we, I get a grade for being a wife is a joke, but he was like, you, you're not getting an A these days because <laughs> there's so many boxes he has to break down for the recycle bin. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I did really well, like the first eight weeks. And then the last couple of weeks, I just kind of lost it. And you know, sure. let's talk about that for a second. And I need my producer and my associate producer to keep me track on time. But let's talk about this for a second, Cheryl, because we know in the last DIS report, we talked a lot how African-Americans like the in-store shopping experience. They like to touch things. They like to feel things. They like yes. to. So how do you think we're going to like adjust to that? Can you even begin to speculate? When there are no brick and mortar stores left? 
Um, I think I think we'll be going to see the good doctor because I do think it's going to have a impact on us, um, especially for people who have underdeveloped hobbies or have no hobbies. If shopping was your hobby, then what do you do now? Um, and you know, because we do like the in-store experience. Right, right. So Cheryl, what? Because one of the things that I've been seeing, like I said, when we first started. And, you know, COVID-19 happened and, you know, there were certain companies that I really felt or let's say categories of products and services that I personally felt could step up to the plate and offer a solution. Like I would have liked to see more financial services speak to us and how do we deal with this transition and then what happens afterwards and, and all of that. So are there any categories of companies that you think should really be paying close attention right now about the opportunities? Like who's leaving money on the table? Yes. I think that the um, pharmaceutical industry, they, because they advertise heavily for our demo and it would be interesting to see how well they step up to the table or not. Mm -hmm. I also think the uh, beauty industry um, we got here hard, y'all, because, you know, we had to do our own hair and, you know, my stylist in Chicago, when they announced that the mayor had gone to get her hair cut and I was like texting my style, she's like, Mm-mm, I'm not the one, <laughs> you know, go someplace else. Cause I'm sorry, I'm not going to risk my life so you can look good on TV. <laughs> um, so I, I think those two industri- industries in particular need to like really step up and, and pay attention to how they communicate with us as African-American consumers. Okay. And Dr. Joy, just from an emotional, psychological perspective, like what kind of companies do you think can help us just kind of relax a little bit more and just kind of calm our, because we can calm our mind. We're worried and nervous when we don't know the answer, when mm-hmm. we don't know the solution, but what kind of companies from your perspective, based on what you've been hearing people freak about, what do you think could really like step up to the plate a little more? Mm-hmm. I think that we will see huge innovation in the healthcare space. Um, you know, so just for my field, for example, lots of therapists were already offering virtual sessions and now virtually everybody is offering virtual sessions. And some therapists have let go of the lease on their physical offices and will only be offering virtual services. Wow. And so I think we will see an increase in that space. Um, I also think that because we have been having to do our own hair and experiment with beauty, there will be some innovation in that space as well. So I already saw, um, I forget the name of the company, but they were an in-person salon. And then they started selling these boxes with like tutorials for how to braid your hair. So they would send you the hair, send you like a link so that you could join a Zoom call to teach you how to do it. Right. And so I think that we will also see innovation in that space. But I, but agreed that like, apps like Calm and Headspace and Insight Timer, like some of those things that are meditation kinds of things, those have done incredibly well. Um, and you saw them offering free subscriptions to like healthcare workers and, you know, physicians and people working in the hospital. So I think you will continue to see an increase in those fields. Right. Cause the other thing I've noticed too, especially if you're on IG, cause IG has been flooded with ad, um, ads lately. So many more, so much more sports equipment. Mm-hmm. 
because now, you know, people can't go to the gym. So, so many different like programs that you can download and apps you can download to work out with and all of that. So that's going to be interesting to look at that and see if there's been any, you know, jump in that, um, Cheryl. Mm -hmm. And then I'm wondering too, from a health epidemic, because everybody went into this saying, Hey, I'm gonna lose some weight. And did not. Mm-hmm. Some did, but some did not. So that's going to be really interesting to kind of see how um, that happens. So, sure. One other question I want to ask you, and then I'm going to um, ask both of you one more, and then we're going to open it up for questions. But um, I want to ask you, you talked about this a little bit earlier. How can brands step up and help the African-American community during this time, because one of the things, you know, we've been seeing a lot of articles about saying consumers, particularly millennial consumers, want brands to step up and talk about societal issues. They want them to talk about political issues. Now, we know in the African-American community, for those of us who's been talking about this 20-something years, we've been saying that. Like, we make decisions off of how a company is involved in the community. So what do you think it is that brands can do in particular to help during this challenging time? So first of all, African-Americans prefer to shop with brands that help and give the causes that are important to our community. Uh, About 42 to 46% of Blacks prefer to choose brands that do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the lack of choices in urban areas when you had covid Um, we were front on the front line because most of us were considered essential workers. Um, and we still in urban areas had to take public transportation. So I think an innovation, uh, with particular retailers who may, especially given now what some of the retailers look like after, um, the last couple of weeks of unrest, Um, finding new ways to bring their brand into those communities. So, you know, uh, uh, On Wheels Farmer's Market with a really big brand uh, uh, grocery retailer, looking at how you can use subsidized, and I wrote an op-ed about this, how you can use uh, government subsidized programs um, to use those cards online. So that I have an opportunity to utilize my SNAP or my WIC cards, right? So those are some things that can happen because not all brands accept them online. And so you've got to be very innovative in how you look at addressing the needs of consumers this way. I love it. I love it. So our last question before we open it up is what should we all do to maintain our peace of minds through this tough time? Mm-hmm. Which is unexpectedly gotten worse in the last two weeks. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So I think one of the most important things to do that is often overlooked is to make sure that you're going outside and getting some sunshine. So even if that means just walking around your neighborhood or walking you know, in a park, if you can do that safely, I think that we often forget how important it is and how much benefit we get from actually just having the sunshine on our skin. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, I would also encourage people as hard as it is, and I'm talking to myself as well, to really look at your sleep schedule. 
Mm-hmm. Especially with everything that's been going on recently, you know, I like will be glued to Twitter to see what's happening and what's going on and are the protests are safe and that kind of thing. Um, and you can just look up and then it's three o'clock in the morning. Right. And so we know how important it is for our bodies to get enough restorative sleep so that our bodies can heal and do what it needs to do. So paying attention to your sleep schedule and not getting too far off base, I think, is going to also be important. And making sure that you're getting enough physical activity. So even 10 to 15 minutes every day can be really good. And it doesn't have to be like a high impact workout or anything. You can just dance along with Debbie Allen. I know she was doing some uh, Instagram classes for some time, right? So getting really creative about just making sure that you're moving your body can also, um, you'll see huge improvements in your mood related to that as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl, so... My question for you, because obviously, you know, a huge reason that we've decided to do this podcast is because we recognize that while there are many podcasts and blogs, no one was in this multicultural marketing space. So can you help finalize with what are some of the best practices that you've seen over the years or have recommended that you think are really relevant at this time for marketers to take away? I can go from the marketer's perspective and I can also go from a consumer's perspective. I'll start with the consumer's perspective because you guys have heard me say this before that, you know, you need to ask yourself five questions before you spend money with the brand. The first question, and this is more important now more than ever, but are they spending money in my community? Mm -hmm. The second one is, do they hire people who look like me? I'd pay attention to all of the layoffs that are happening around the country and how many of those um, companies are disproportionately laying off people of color. Uh, The third would be, uh, do they present my, uh, my demographic in a positive way, right? Are they portraying it in a positive way? And, um, What's my fourth one? My, my fourth one is, do they look like me? Hire people like me? I can't remember my fourth one. But if you ask yourself all those questions and the answer to any of them is no, then you need to ask yourself, do I want to spend my money or my time with this, this um, business? Yeah. Um, and, and when I say business, I also mean, you know, uh, broadcast, television, streaming devices, Right. And so if you're watching negative, negative, negative on some of these um, reality shows, is that something that you still want after all we've seen? Is this the best way to represent people of color, black people? And if so, do you still want to continue watching it? They're, they're capitalizing off of our dysfunction. And is that something you still think is Ooh. important now? Ooh, that was powerful. Yes, that was. Ooh. All right, we're quoting you on that one, Miss Grace. <laughs> Somebody just wrote on our Facebook Live. Can you please post those five points later? <laughs> yes, yes, I will. I don't know why I'm drawing a um a blank right now on the fifth one, but we can post it. I, I love that. Okay, so that was so was that from your consumer perspective? So that's from the consumer's perspective. So from a branding perspective, I think it's really important for brands to recognize that. African-Americans have been hit disproportionately. And so you need to disproportionately um, anchor your marketing toward them, right? You need to disproportionately check on your employees to make sure they're doing okay. 
Um, I posted on LinkedIn, dear, dear um, uh, corporate uh, person, your black employees are not okay. Um, I literally took two weeks off now because of all of this that's just been hitting me, hitting me, hitting me, all of the Zoom calls, you know, so we're home, but we got to put on makeup for the Zoom calls. We have to make it appear that we're all calm and serene when all hell is breaking out, you know, because you got kids and dogs and, you know, and so brands need to acknowledge that and to uh, engage their employee resource groups and ask the employee resource groups, use them as um, uh, fall uh, focus groups and ask, what would you like to see from a brand right now coming off of these two pandemics? Mm-hmm. How can we help market to you and be sincere and organic in how we're doing it without, again, capitalizing on the PR opportunity? Right. Right. Because one of the things, too, because trust me, we've spent the last two weeks evaluating, counseling, providing commentary, solicited or not, (laughs) about how people are handling things. And one of the things that we know about African-American consumers is that we 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 do scrutinize the brands that we support and we do hold them accountable. We do. And I think that's going to escalate even more now with the, you know, the four or five questions that you raised. I think cancel culture is about to go to a whole nother level because the more and more of these emails co- that are coming out talking about which brands support people or individuals or organizations we don't like, they will be canceled. So I, I do think we'll start to see consumers think a little bit more about their power. And before I go into a question, that is the last question I want to ask you, because I think you're really good about this, is talk to us real briefly about us recognizing our buying power and the influence it really has and how we need to embrace that and leverage it. Now more than ever, now more than ever, um, you know, you and your, uh, your, your, your team have often said that it's not a nice thing to do. It's a business imperative to ensure that you are marketing toward people of color, but now more than ever, like if you come and I've seen the ads, um, about Black Lives Matter, et cetera, but you don't have any Black people on your board of directors. You can't seem to promote anyone from within who looks like me. Um, We pay attention. And I wrote on LinkedIn a a post about how one brand had uh, a, a former employee go literally viral. She went ballistic because of their Black Lives Matter issue that they posted, which was positive. She was like, that is not who they are on the inside. And I will not, I cannot. And she was like, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> so like that, you, and this was a huge major brand. But I, after having seen that, I, I'm going to think differently about doing business with that brand because you can't sell me on who you are if you're not walking the talk. Right, right. I love that. I love that. Well, ladies, thank you so much. So I'm going to stop asking the questions because I could ask you both questions all day. Dr. Joy is lucky when she comes to the office that we <laughs> I was on the couch one day and it was like, <laughs> so literally, 
for the both of you all day. So, Nadia, do we have any questions? Yes, we've got a lot of comments from that last uh, point, Cheryl. Thank you so much for sharing that. But one question we did had is from Chino Chapa. And he said, question for the experts. African-Americans and other people of color are intentional in buying from companies that support our communities. Yes. You believe companies know this as a fact or have we been too quiet about how we spend our money? I think, I think black consumers have been very quiet about how they spend their money. And that's one of the reasons the reports that we do is so relevant because we, you know, do the use of agencies such as yours. We go out and we talk about it all the time, but I don't think that you have enough African-American consumers uniting and sending that message to corporate America. And I think that's really very important. Mm. Right. And one of the things, and Dr. Joy, you might be able to, to piggyback on that, because one of the things I, I said a couple of times today, particularly, again, with, with everything that's going on, um, it's funny to me because Black people, we're quiet about certain things, but then other things were loud. Yeah. Because we talk a lot about, I mean, we worked on the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. We can literally see it from our office. And we know that human rights, that human rights movement evolve from civil rights movement. And so I'm just wondering, and I don't know if this is a psychological question, Dr. Joe, you might be able to answer it, or I might need to go find a cultural anthropological person. But do you think there are times where because of the way that there's been some systemic oppression that we've been quiet? And then like what pushes us to finally be like loud and to like to pay attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it really is just when it boils over, right? Like, I think there is a certain level where you try to minimize it. And, you know, we have been taught because of systemic racism and not wanting to make people uncomfortable. We have been taught to silence ourselves in a lot of ways. And so I think now we are at a point where enough is enough and we're not being quiet anymore. And so I think what you see is just kind of the the dam breaking, so to speak. And we are just kind of letting everybody know that we are paying attention. Right. Right. We do have another question. Yes. Um, from a question slash comment from Ms. Kanata Herring. She said, uh, thank you, ladies. This conversation is so timely. Exactly what my company is working through. Um, how should companies show up and support not only our consumers, but the black employees? Yeah. So, again, time off. Um, we, uh, at Nielsen made a therapist available. If people needed someone to talk to, we have individual support groups, um, you know, whether you're millennials or whether a lot of this was young people who were home alone, quarantining alone because, you know, they were working in a city where their families weren't. And so making sure that your employees needs are being met, Uh, and the needs are different. My needs are different than someone who's in in their first job right out of college. And so tapping into those employee resource groups, if you have them, but using your associates, as I said, many focus groups um, is a great way. But, But not just doing given lip service. I mean, put your money where your mouth is. Like, what does that look like for your particular company? What does that look like for your particular brand? And ask, and, and not being afraid as employees to ask that question. Because if they haven't stepped up at this point, 
chances are they're not going to step up. If they haven't stepped up at this point and they're still trying to figure out what their next step is going to be, their strategy, they're slow. They're right. slow. And they're not innovative in this area. And you need, you need to kind of give them a little bit of a nudge. Right. Right. Yeah, and I would just like to underscore, I'm really glad that you said that Nielsen has brought in a therapist. So I've done a couple of presentations for some ERG groups for companies across the country. And I think that you have to make sure that you're paying attention to the mental health component of both the COVID-19 pandemic, but also the racism that continues because yes. your Black employees are disproportionately being impacted by both of those things. And so I think if as a company, you are coming out with all of these very loud Black Lives Matter statements, but you are not checking on your Black employees and saying, hey, we care about you, we want to know what's happening, then you're really missing the mark. You're going to have a virtual, you know, somebody going ballistic on you and you don't mm-hmm. want that. I, I appreciate it that our CEO called me twice personally just to check in. That was, that was very, mm-hmm. for me, it was a human touch. And I think you have to proceed as humans first, business second mm-hmm. until, until this blows over. Right. And one thing that, you know, we've been seeing and particularly I got to give a lot of credits, um, credit to the millennial generation because they get a lot of flack <laughs> or flack rather. But one of the things is they are unafraid <laughs> to say what they want. Yeah. They are unafraid to demand from their companies changes. Right. And, um, just like we saw recently with the NFL, their social media team went rogue to develop that statement. Yeah. But yeah. you do. And, and one of the things I've been saying is like, listen, this is the time to speak up because this is when they're finally listening or they know they have to listen. Like take advantage of that. Definitely take advantage of that. We've got two more questions. You ladies are sparking a conversation. One, the first question um, is from Angelo. Hey, Angelo. Angelo Jones. We love Angelo. Hey, um, <laughs> he said, Alexis, you made an interesting point in the financial service um, industry that have been quiet. Um, and he, he said, in fact, um, he just had a conversation today with his financial services. And he said, what advice would you give all a conservative, mostly white industry in understanding that African-American consumers in a way that is respectful and does not take advantage of us? So what advice would you have, would you give? Cheryl, you want to answer that? What advice would I give the financial institutions? Yeah, that are conservative and mostly white. Yeah, I think right now is a time to also look at what your um, your loan policies are, uh, to take a step back and examine how much uh, of a discrepancy or not there is between the decisions that you make to loan money out to people of color versus non-people of color. Now's the time to go through that with a fine-tooth comb. Um, And I've always thought that the financial industry has missed out on the fact that African-Americans read more financial magazines online and more financial magazines than any other group of people, but we're not connecting the dots from research to action. And so how do you move individuals to action, especially right now while they're scared? I I will tell you that um, I kept telling, I kept telling my friends, y'all better go get your money out of the bank because if, you know, we have another uh, depression 
recession like that happened, your money's not there. We know your money's not physically there. And, um, and so what are you doing to soothe me with those concerns uh, that if all hell breaks loose, because if this economy gets any worse, that all the money I do have in your institution, I may not be able to get it out. And I know they've got laws in place that, you know, are but I'm just saying, right. Get your money. Your mama used to hide it under the mattress. I'm just saying, (laughs) I don't have any money under my mattress people. So don't try to break it in the house, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Services industry, you know, are, are typically and traditionally led by people that don't look like us. And so we recognize that that's a challenge. It could be, a boulder that you're pushing uphill. But if you are in any kind of position of influence, either as one of their, you know, agency people or their corp comms people, I'm not going to say it's just your, it's, it's not just a responsibility of a person of color because you can choose to do that or not. But to me, anybody that is in the marketing communications field from PR to marketing to advertising, you're not doing your job. If you're not counseling your clients on the right opportunities. Yeah. And again, like I've been saying for a gazillion years, talking about the trillion buying power for a gazillion years, always start with the business case, paint pictures of them for the opportunities and then come up with solutions. We know that they look for, you know, immediate returns on investments and sometimes it does not work that way, but they have to come into it in authentic, I mean, in an authentic manner, which of course means you have to have your house in order before you start talking to consumers. But we are so hungry for that information because we're so far behind. We are creating, you know, generational wealth, but we want to do it. So you have to figure out how do I address, you know, the person that you know works at Burger King to the person that's in the C-suite corporation. And what I've noticed is are the financial services company that do talk to us, they focus primarily on professional people. And yeah. I because they're worried about their bottom line. But you got to start talking to younger people and all of that and creating a pipeline. So, Angela, to answer your question, Angela, we do love you. Um, um, to answer your question, this to me is another thing where you just have to continue to sell them what the business opportunity is and help them to understand the benefits for them externally as well as internally. And I would even go one step further, which is just making sure that you, um, uh, the spare change in your account, moving that over to savings. I amassed like $3,000 plus just not even realizing that whatever the spare change, if I spend $7.59, then the remaining of that amount goes over into savings. It adds up without you feeling angst because I think a lot of our problems is that we think we're going to have to suffer or sacrifice in order to save. And that doesn't have to necessarily be the case. So I know some banks are doing that. I think it may be helpful for other banks to try that as well, but it, it really, it adds up very quickly. That's a good point. Question, Nadia, we have one more. Yep, last question. Dr. Joy, this is directed to you from Dee Dee Frazier, also another person we love at Precise. <laughs> um, she said, Dr. Joy, do you know any therapists offering assistance for those who are furloughed or laid off? And if so, how are they making their services known? Mm. 
Yeah. So a lot of therapists are offering, and we, even before all of this was happening, we're offering like a sliding scale. So that may be an option. Um, I'm not sure if Dee Dee is a Black woman, but if so, then she can connect with the Loveland Foundation. So they actually raise funds for Black women and girls to be able to go to therapy for free. Um, so I think the website is the lovelandfoundation.org. So you can connect with them there. And if they are still accepting people, um, they will give you vouchers that you can use to see a therapist for like four to six sessions at, a, at no cost to you. Um, so those are a couple of options that I'm aware of. Well, that wraps up our Facebook questions. Thank you, those who asked. And to those who commented, I wish I could show you guys. They were going in. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So, ladies, um, I just want to thank you all. But before we close, Dr. Joy and Cheryl, I'd like for you both to give us your social media handles where people can find you. Start with Dr. Joy. Yeah, I am at Hello Dr. Joy across all platforms. Perfect. Cheryl. I'm Cheryl Grace on LinkedIn, and I'm Powerful Penny on Facebook, Powerful underscore Penny on Instagram, and Powerful Penny on Twitter. And uh, just to plug Nielsen as well, their diverse intelligence series report on African-American consumers, Asian-American consumers, and the Latinx um, consumer base, they're all available online. Just go to Nielsen.com. Nielsen. N i e l s e n dot com. Right. Yes. If you spell it wrong. I get mad when I see it with an O. <laughs> the demographics tab, and you can find all those reports. I'm telling you, I live off them. I include them in all my my pictures. Promise you. And they're free. And, and they're, they're free. And they're free. Yes. Yay. We love right now. So we will be back in the next day or so with an announcement of our next culture and convos, which will be a Facebook Live and a podcast as well. And you are not going to want to miss this conversation. It's going to be right. so good. You're not great at the tease. Marty, I'm thinking it might be a two-part. So anyway, thank you everybody for joining us. Nadia, any parting words, Miss Producer? We love you guys. Thank you so much. This is what Culture and Convos looks like. Do you see all this melanation on this screen? Okay. If you're listening, I wish you were tuned in live because there's a lot of people, ladies we're looking at. But thank you all. Everybody have a great night. Please stay safe, healthy, wash your hands. Please go get tested. Social distance, do all things that you're supposed to do. And then keep your head up in these very, very, very challenging times. Just get whatever support that you need. Call a therapist, pray, talk to your friends, walk outside, do whatever that Take you Take a vacation. Take a vacation that's safe and legal. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening. Bye bye. Bye. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end of episode two. We hope you enjoyed the show, and most importantly, we hope you actually learned something new today. Make sure you're on the lookout for our next episode where we're going to be talking about protests and politics. Trust me, you don't want to miss that. Until next time, peace and Afro beats. This podcast is sponsored by Precise Communications. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Precise Communications or Instagram at PreciseCom with two M's ATL.